All right. If you're interested in learning and mastering one of the most important skill sets within real estate, you are going to thoroughly love this upcoming conversation. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. I'm on fire today. I was just uh, reviewing this um, podcast that you're about to listen to today, and I forgot how good it was. Um, this was a exclusive training that we did for members of the Raising Capital Academy. Jeez, I think it was probably close to maybe... A, probably a couple years ago now that um, we did this training with them. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there going, I forgot how good it was. It was that, it was, you know, sorry, I may be a little bit biased on my opinion, but um, I'll leave the judgment for you after you've listened to this to find out how good this was. So this was a, a taken from a live you know, webinar, but it it turned out to be fantastic for a podcast episode after I was reviewing. That's the one thing that I just wanted to review is just to make sure that it it was relevant for just listening and not watching because it was delivered in a lot, you know, a live webinar format over Zoom. Um, and this one, I had the great opportunity with uh, sharing to my community, one of my um, my performance coaches, one of my vocal coaches, one of my my public speaking coach, if you will, and uh, had an opportunity. I guarantee you have not heard of him, guaranteed. And we talk, we talk a lot about the backstory. We talk a lot about how we work together, how I, I met Jesse and... Um, and we just went really deep into communications. We went very deep into storytelling. We went very deep into public speaking. We went very deep into how important it is for you to master this skill set. Because if you master this one skill set, honestly, I believe this is my personal opinion from my 20, almost 25 years of doing this, Twenty going on year 24 of doing this, this was the number one skill set that helped elevate my business to the next level, that helped elevate many things forward. So if you are looking for that slight edge, if you're looking for that one skill set that makes the biggest difference, you're going to thoroughly love this conversation. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, Jesse and I talked a lot about uh, of in this upcoming episode about um, the, the deeper meaning behind communication, the deeper thought process of delivering a public speech, if you will. Um, many of you will sit there and you go, maybe you've done a speech, maybe you've gone to Toastmasters, maybe you had to do a, a public speaking in high school or, or <laughs> one of my clients said, yeah, I think the last time I had to do public speaking was when I was in 4-H in Saskatchewan. This goes behind and deeper into the psychology, into the physiology, into the meaning behind the meaning of how to tell an amazing story. And that's what uh, my guest on this episode is brilliant at. Jesse comes from a theater background. How do you convey a message and communicate to an audience within a theater, within improv, within um, a, within um, 
acting, if you will. So that's what we go very deep into this and we learn this skill set. Now, here's the thing. Um, this skill set did not come very easy to me. This is something that I had to work extremely hard at and I had to put in the reps and I had to be willing to be horrible. And, and my first presentations were absolutely horrible. And some of you might be sitting there going, well, yeah, Russ, I saw some of your recent ones and yeah, they haven't got much better, right? If you, and, and so I've had to work really hard at this. And this is something that I've had to study. And it's something that never came easy to me. And I, I always made a commitment to being the hardest worker when it came to this realm. Also within real estate, with many things in, that, I've, uh, that I've set my mind to, I'm not the most gifted in any way, shape or form. I have really no natural ability when it comes to any of this kind of stuff. I'm extremely shy. I'm extremely introverted. So I had to make up for not having any natural ability for this to working harder than everybody else. I had to rehearse harder. I had to practice harder. I had to research harder. I had to have more anxiety. I had to have more stress. I had to have take on more and I had to go deeper, if you will, into the whole process to really understand it because I did not have that natural ability. And here's, here would be the example. And, and so here's the thing. If, if I was wanting to learn a skill set from somebody, I would want to learn a skill set from somebody who it's not natural to. I would want to learn that skill set from somebody who has worked harder than anybody else because they've uncovered more insights, more nuances, more strategies, more tactics than the person that it was just purely natural to. Like, here's the example I would give you. You know, let, let's say I went up to Brad Pitt. Let's say I had an opportunity of meeting Brad Pitt. And I would not go to Brad Pitt and ask Brad Pitt for dating advice. Like, Brad, how do you, how do I get a, how do I ask a girl out on a date? You know, Brad Pitt would just sit there and go, well, I don't know. I just walk up to him and say, so, hey, you want to go to dinner? Like, honestly, Brad Pitt would not have to work hard at <laughs> getting a date. But somebody who, who has learned how and has taken the time and has been a hard worker to be able to ask that person out on a date. That's the person who I would want to learn from. Okay, gang. So with all that being said, I believe you're going to thoroughly love this episode. And this will be one that you will come back to multiple times just because it is that good. It is that deep. But most importantly, it is that important to you to master this skill because it will make a 100% increase and it will 10x your business uh, faster than anything else that I know. Okay, gang, you're going to love this one. Have lots of have lots of pen and paper nearby because you will take lots of notes. And with all that being said, please help me welcome Mr. Jesse James. My style is always open and honest and transparent. Um, I'm nervous for tonight. It's it's one of those ones that I'm nervous because you get a chance. I have a chance to have one of my early mentors and my coaches and my teachers, and I get to have them on with my community here. And I'm almost feeling like I have to impress him and I have to show off and I have to show all the things I've learned and how good of a student I've been. So Jesse, I'm a little nervous tonight. So forgive me. Well, don't worry about it. And it's perfectly normal as we know. <laughs> the nerves never go away. We just learn how to manage them. No, I hear you. Okay, so I'm going to start off tonight with the introduction. Um, 
is a little, I'm going to start off the story and you guys will, for those of you that have been a part of the Academy for a while, you will um, see a lot of the threads that will actually come together in this tapestry of this whole story that we're, we're putting together. So if you remember from last month's implementation webinar, Power of Focus, Les Hewitt, right? I told the story on there of how I read that book and one of the exercises in there said interview five famous people or people that you want to learn from. I interviewed Mr. Don Campbell was one of the people that I interviewed from one of the exercises from this book. Okay. Then uh, from there, I had that interview with Don where we had lunch together and I told him I wanted to learn how to become a professional public speaker. And he said, okay, here's a list of books. He was testing me by giving me things to do. And he said, here's a list of books and you must hire Jesse James as a per uh, performance and vocal coach. Gave me Jesse's number. I went through, I read those books. I did all the actions. I hired Jesse and we were doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it's interesting how all these stories of all these things are, are coming together, everything from the power of focus to Don Campbell to my first public speaking coach, Jesse James. And this is Jesse James, everybody. Welcome to the call tonight, Jesse. Hi, folks. This is my official hello to you all. It's a privilege to be with people all across Canada. We're going to get into the into the backstory here a little bit more. I know a little bit about your story, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks um, together can you maybe just share for the people that maybe don't know who you are or other than maybe just hearing a story or two from myself, you know, where did you come from? And you've been in this game for over 40 years and, and public speaking and theater and acting and training government officials. You've trained very diverse groups of people. Where did a lot of this start from you, with you? Well, it depends how far back I go. You said 40 years. Yes. So <laughs> round about when I was 18 and I was deciding what to do with my life, I chose to be an actor. And I was living in England and went to a British drama school, did a lot of Shakespeare, trained in various places all over the world. I've had a very eclectic uh, upbringing and career in the performing arts, which included performing in Europe, Australia, training in China and Japan, teaching at Yale University, and moving out west to Simon Fra uh, to Vancouver, and I was teaching theater in Simon Fraser University. And some of my students, because it was a voice class, said, there are a couple professors here who could really use your work. I said, well, do they want to? And they said, well, I don't know, they're kind of boring. The thing is, professors are not hired because they know how to teach and know how to inspire and know how to stimulate. They're hired because they have a pile of research uh, papers that they've published. So that little conversation led to a life-changing experience for me. I ended up proposing a course to the Center for University Teaching that was an eight-week program for professors and teaching assistants to uh, create dynamic learning and in, in experiences in their classroom. So every week we used a different size classroom from a 12-seater to a 400-seat lecture hall. And the, the professors would explore how to disseminate their knowledge and create exciting environments for the students. They discovered in the course of it how to use their voice, that it was okay to share their passion for their subject. 
it was okay to care that the students actually heard what they were being what was being said and that the information was being absorbed by them so that began my 25 year career as a public speaking coach working with over 250 professors at Simon Fraser and also University of Toronto. I started being a guest lecturer in different places. And that led to me publishing a book through Simon Fraser University on how to do this based on the eight week course that I created. So uh, this little background was the segue to how I met Don. And Shall for those of you, if you're, you're sorry, just to jump in there, we're talking about Don Campbell for some, most of you will probably know Don, but, uh, or he's known as Don, right? Everybody knows him as Don, right? so, but Don some people Campbell. are green members and they might not know who we're referring to. So the director of my program who helped create this book and I decided we needed to get the book out into the world. And he saw that there was an internet marketing seminar in Richmond, British Columbia. And we went out to that, which I later learned was what they call in the business a pitch fest. They were 12 to 15 speakers doing their one hour to 90 minutes. Each one of them ended with a 20 minute close to buy something that is going to help you get your work out. And there was only one speaker there who was different than all the others, who was not an internet marketer. And that happened to be Don Campbell, who was teaching us how to formulate what it is we do in simple language, in words. And I got a lot out of that one. But there was something I did there that I took initiative that changed the course of my life and how I met Don. I noticed that in the middle of the pitch fest, 500 people were nodding off. They were getting tired. They were just sitting there in a, in a stupefied daze, being barraged by all this information. And I thought, well, I'm a voice coach and an acting trainer. I can wake up the audience within five minutes with a little exercise. So I went up to the MC and I said, hey, would you like me to do this? And he said, sure. So I went up, introduced myself, gave them a five minutes of stimulating breathing exercises to wake them up and get them communicating again. And it went really well. He asked me to come up again at the end. And after the seminar, Don Campbell found me and he said, you know, I don't even like going to these kind of seminars. This has nothing to do with real estate or the way I do business. I don't know why I was here, but I realized that I was actually looking for a voice and presentation coach. And can we work together? Well, we worked together for quite a while, probably in the course of over a year or two, and then he later invited me to train all the speakers in rain that get up on stage and and are are part of the rain caravan across canada and of course early on in my coaching of don that's when i was introduced to russell and we worked together considerably may i just say that out of all the people i've coached in public speaking don campbell and russell are my two very best students. Oh, they, Andrew, I, and I'm not just saying that, you really <laughs> absorbed the material, Russell. And you proved it when we were talking last week and reminding me of things that we worked on some 20 years ago, the exact wording I was using and that you, you really applied it. And I, 
touches me greatly to to have provided value and it still continues on. So. Well, what do they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I'm very touched and honored to introduce my teacher and one of my, you know, mentors to my entire community of people of the next up and coming people that are going to be real estate leaders in the space. Because guys, as you know, one of my mandates is is to create each and every one of you as part of this community to become real estate leaders. And to become real estate leaders, you must master the art and science of communication and presentation. So that's why I'm bringing Jesse out tonight. So thank you. I didn't even know, I didn't know all that. So, so you, you really cut your teeth, Jesse, in working with professors, really. Uh, outside of working a lot in theater, I had yeah. trained many actors and directed many plays and performed all over the world. But making the transition into right. training people who are not calling themselves actors Although, whenever you get up in front of people, whenever you're asking for people's attention, all the rules of theater and acting apply. And this is what's made me such a, an effective presentation coach. I don't just teach presentation skills. I help you hone your specific message in a way that causes people to absorb the information, really respond to you, and want to do what you're asking them at the end. Yeah. That's the most important. Very good. Well, I'm going to take a little bit, a couple divergence into to some different topics here. So I would imagine when you're working with university professors that don't want to potentially, you know, you know, as you said, a lot of them have some boring topics. I mean, they're probably the first one to admit it's a boring topic. How do you, and do you have any stories to share with us that of maybe how you've taken somebody from a perceived boring topic into something compelling that the students are hanging on their edge of the seat and they'll never forget the lesson from? Uh, that's a really good point. Every speaker, many of the speakers I've worked with, professors and entrepreneurs and... Accountants. Accountants in particular, they have a fear of teaching boring material. And I say to them, there is no such thing as boring material. And they say, oh, yes, there is. And if you're listening to this call, you can probably imagine that there is material that you would find boring. But the, the point is, if you decide it's boring, it's going to be boring because the way you deliver it is boring. Uh, here's a little story. In... Uh, in the university, there was one chemistry teacher who said, uh, she asked that question, how do you teach boring material? And she refused to believe that no material, that there was, such a, there was not such a thing as boring material. So I said, give me an example. And she said, oh, well, there's this chemistry formula I have to teach every year. It's really boring. And you get that the way I'm talking right now, she proved how bored she was in yeah. teaching. And I said to her, so what does it help you do? And she said, well, you find out the, the saturation of a liquid, which is important when you're mixing chemicals together. And I said, well, under what circumstance would this be a life or death situation? And she said, well, I suppose if there was 
something like sulfuric acid in water, if you were going to drink it, would you die? And I said, okay, that's pretty compelling. So we brainstormed on this and she created an experience for the audience the following week. And it went like this. She walked out in front of her students who were us role modeling students. She had an overhead projector and she said, today we're going to talk about and a skull and crossbones came up on the wall and it said death. And she took out a beaker, glass beaker and a, a little bottle with skull and crossbones on it. And she unscrewed the skull and crossbones and dripped it into the beaker. And then she stirred it and she walked over to the front row of the students and to one of them, she said, drink this. <laughs> well, first of all, she had everybody on the edge of their seats, which is really important if you're going to talk to anybody about anything. And then she said, you might want to know whether this is going to kill you or not. Yes? Yes. Yeah, you got my attention. Okay, well, let's look at the board. If E is equal to the drops that went into the substance, and this is equal to the water that's in the beaker, so she was effectively teaching that same boring thing, but she created a context for it that was life and death. That segues nicely into the idea of what storytelling is and why it's so powerful for wow. us. Well, I'll tell you what, I rem I'll remember that story already and you know how you really can take a boring subject and turn it into you know, something quite memorable. Well, the important thing is the subject is not boring. Yeah. The subject is not boring. The context in which it's taught is everything. Yeah. And I remember when you did some training. Um, now, some of you might not know the name Navaz Murji, but Navaz Murji is, a, is a, a tax accountant out here in Vancouver. And we went through and did some training. And, and Jesse helped Navaz craft a presentation where the, the title of the presentation was Don't Get Caught With Your Pants Down meaning, you know, have your ducks in a row when you have all your documents and your planning documents and don't get you caught with your pants down well um, with CRA. So Navaz walks up on stage and he pulls his pants down and he's wearing Bermuda shorts underneath and he delivered the presentation in Bermuda shorts to make a point about don't get caught with your pants down when having your, all, your, uh, all, your present, all your ducks in a row with your documentation. So... A beautiful theatrical moment. And I remember the conversation before that where he was pretty nervous and so were other people about trying anything unusual. And he said, but I'm a tax accountant. Nobody will take me seriously. Well, and I let's, said, well let's put it this way. Good, are you a good tax accountant? Yes, I'm very good. Do people trust you? Yes, they really do trust me. Well then you can do what you want and surprise them and they will be delighted. You'll have people banging down the door to work with you. Well, let's put it this way, of all the accountants presentations I have seen over the past 18 years, that one is the one that probably stands out the most as most memorable 
And you know what? I do business. I did business with Navaz until he retired. I think he just retired. He sold his practice to one of his partners. But that was the most memorable presentation from an accountant I've seen in all the years that have gone by. Wow. You got to break preconceptions. Yep. If you want to be heard and received. Yep. Well, let's dive into it. Um, So we've talked a little bit about, you know, the power of story and we will get into the, the importance of story and the components of a good story, Jesse, but, but why is it important? You know, everyone, and I want to give some really good context for everyone listening here tonight. Everyone's going, well, geez, you know, I'm a real estate investor and I want to buy rent owns and I want to buy a buy and hold. And they're sitting there going, why is it important if I learn how to master this whole thing of communication? Like, why is it important and relevant for us to learn this skill, Jesse? Well, there are two different aspects in communication. There are many more, but two that we can talk about specifically. One is the one-on-one communication that you would have with a prospective business person, uh, client, friend, whatever. And there's the other one when you're up on stage in front of a large group of people holding their attention and making the time valuable for them. Now, the time that you spend with people, whether it's one person or a whole group of people, you can consider as real estate. And when I was in the business of public speaking and the whole pitch fest idea, they call it real estate. You have 90 minutes of real estate up there. Mm -hmm. That means valuable time where if you captivate people's attention and keep it on your agenda and make it relevant to them and useful to them, then it's a gold mine for both of you. If you really honor that time with good information and great care and compassion for the other person and real authenticity coming from you and your own vulnerability, then you make relationships that can last, that can last a lifetime. And in business dealing, we want those lifelong relationships. I mean, look at me and Russ. We go back 20 years. We were able to touch a chord in each other that made us want to continue connecting. So in real estate, you're not in it for for a, what's the expression, a one-trick pony, a one-time sale. Right. It's much too complicated (laughs) to to even go into it like that. And if you're not... uh, fully disclosed and transparent and authentic and really genuinely caring for the other person, they're not going to do business with you. The, the science and art and soul of communication is something that can be learned so that you know when you're doing it and when you're not, when you're connecting and when you're not, and you cannot leave it for chance. That's the point. If it's a real, if it's real estate, if that time is real estate, you do your due diligence, you do your rehearsal, you craft what you're going to share with people. Uh, I've met speakers who I say, do you rehearse? And they say, oh, well, I just wing it. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? And they said, well, terrified. I never know if it's working or not. So, well, actors never wing it. Even if they're improv actors, they rehearse how to improv. There's a method <laughs> in that. 
So rehearsal takes away a lot of the fear, the nervousness, the, of course, we're still nervous, but there's, um, there's a practice in it. Yeah. That, and, uh, and guys, I can definitely add to it is, now I'm probably not going to get the exact number correct, but every single one of my joint venture partners and my money partners have come from, with the exception of my family and friends, have all come from my ability to be able to deliver a video, to deliver a presentation, to deliver some kind of a teaching, to inspire somebody, to share an idea. And every single one of them has come from that. And including my last three joint venture partners, I'll just do the last three, have all come from one of them, probably my largest to date, came from... I was doing a meetup group presentation and they were live streaming it. And this person wasn't even in the same city. They watched the live stream and they came to me from there. And you know what? There's going to be potentially, you know, millions of dollars of capital that would come from it as well. My last two joint venture partners out of Ontario, I went on one of my speaking tours and doing that, we just really connected and resonated, had a wonderful coffee conversation. We've just bought two, potentially three places together. Okay. So it's good for business if you can learn this skill. And if you think, here's the thing, if you think this skill is not for you, this skill is for you more if you think it's not for you. Okay? It reminds me of the professors. I only got to work with the professors who knew they wanted to be better. The yeah. ones who were miserable and had tenure, they didn't care. So they didn't, they didn't bother to improve themselves. Well, but arguably they needed it the most. Indeed, they needed it the most. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so really, we, we, Jesse, this can transform lives, really, can't it? This this skill, if you if you learn how to do it effectively, right? Well, it transforms both the re- giver and the receiver. Yeah. The giver being the speaker, who you need to become to become more effective, mm-hmm. is the transformational process in yourself how you touch other people and the opportunities that you create for other people that did not exist in their radar is the other part of the transformation. And that's really what it's about. Like even just look at it to the point in today's day and age of what we are in social media, the attention and the entertainment, just look at some of the entertainers, like, you know, arguably speaking, the most highest paid entertainer in the world right now, you know, you can argue and it might be, splitting hairs here, I would bet someone like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, would be probably one of the most highest paid entertainers, most sought after people. And honest to goodness, his, if you actually follow social media of his and all that kind of stuff, it's all about sharing his story. It's all about, you know, his openness and vulnerability. It's all about him sitting there, entire post is him working out one time, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's a skill that you need to master. Now, I don't think we have to, you know, I hate using this term, but beat a dead horse. I think it's an important skill that we need to master, right, Jess? For sure. There's no question. I mean, even Don continues to assert that he he credits my teaching of him with doubling the membership of Rain. That doesn't make him any less an expert in either case. I didn't help him with his expertise, what I helped him do was, was confidently share it with a lot more people in a way that they can say, hey, I can do that. Yeah. That's for me. 
Well, and you, you recrafted, um, you know, I was there from the beginning, you recrafted an entire acre. Well, at the time it was a quick start right from the, right from the ground up. You recrafted that whole personal Belize story. That whole thing came from working with you. It's now known that most RAIN members absolutely are people that have read the book, know what a personal Belize is. And it's just telling of a story in a different way. In essence, guys, if you think about it, it's set a goal. Really, that's really, bottom line is really what it is, is set a compelling goal of what you want to do. And it's told in a story of uh, living down a person in Belize, renting out Harley Davidson motorcycles and just living the freedom, the freedom lifestyle you want. That all is the power of how you can transform people's vernacular. You can transform people's culture, transform the people way people talk within a community to each other because of this kind of work. Mm -hmm. I remember Don, when we were uh, discussing the Belize idea, he said, it's not a goal to buy a hundred properties. What do you want them for? What is the wealth creation enabling you in your life to do? that you would not have otherwise done, either for you or for your family or for your community. Where are you giving back? What, what is it that's possible for you to create because you've created an empire in real estate or you've bought your first property or whatever it is? So it's important to consider that in your own personal story. And when you think about a goal and an intention, what the, the work that you're doing is a vehicle for achieving it. Yep. Now, interesting to know, we talk about a personal Belize. Um, I don't, I think I didn't, didn't tell where you're, where are you calling us from tonight, Jesse, by the way? <laughs> I'm calling you from Costa Rica. And have those, have those parrots and monkeys gone away from that last call we had? We had parrots outside your window. Yeah, I have a few, a few, quite a number of many of, very noisy parrots that sound like noisy neighbors, but they, uh, they're sleeping right now. Nice. They're particularly active in the morning. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and on today's episode, I would like to share with you an update regarding mortgage qualification and what you can do about it as an investor. As you know, the mortgage qualification stress test was introduced in 2018, where federally regulated financial institutions such as banks and alternative lenders started to look at mortgage approvals differently as they started to use a higher mortgage payment to approve your loan compared to what your actual payment would be based on the rate you are being approved for. If you recall, they started to calculate payments based on the higher of two numbers, the Bank of Canada rate at 5.25 and the rate you are being approved for plus at 2%. To give you an example, if the interest rate at the time of a refinance or a purchase was 2%, then they would have assumed in the approval process that your rate is 5.25, which is the Bank of Canada rate, as the 5.25 is higher than a 4%, which is the 2% rate you're being approved for, plus the 2% they added. As you know, the fixed rates and variable rates have been rising over the past few months. and. For the first time now, if you are applying for a variable rate 
fixed rate, the lenders will qualify the application at a higher benchmark above the Bank of Canada's rate of 5.25. Because if you take the rate you're being approved for and add a 2% to that, this bar is now higher than the 5.25. So what does this mean to you as an investor and what do you need to do differently? A higher qualification bar may translate into less equity takeout, less mortgage on a purchase, or a complete decline with an existing lender because the lending ratios are being compressed, meaning your lending ratios are above the lender's guidelines. A higher qualification bar can also push your qualification from a current lender to another more expensive lender where you have to inject a higher down payment take out less money or pay a higher interest and in some cases, higher fees. I would like to remind you as an investor that you have options and strategies to navigate these changing guidelines so you can continue to grow and achieve your goals. These strategies fall into two categories, debt management strategies and income management strategies. Debt management strategies. These are strategies that focus primarily on reducing the monthly payments on your balance sheet in the eyes of the lenders to help ease up the pressure on the lending ratios. The fact that you are paying an interest-only payment on a loan or that you have an interest-free loan with six months grace period, let's say, does not mean that the lender will take that into consideration. Lenders have their own ways of running the numbers. As a result, reshoveling some debts around through consolidation or reamortization can have a huge positive impact on the numbers. To give you an example, let's say you have a $20,000 balance on a Home Depot card that you've used to renovate a property and that you are currently not paying anything on that credit card because you took a three months no pay promotion. In the eyes of the lenders, it, and in some cases, it's not all lenders, but most lenders, that th this card is costing you about 3% per month. That is $600 per month. Another example is a car loan or an RSP loan or a loan to invest where your monthly payment is high and you have a small balance left on that loan. The lender doesn't care about the small balance. They care about your monthly obligation. Debt management strategies can help you declutter your balance sheet and open up room with the lenders to maintain your borrowing power. The other tool is income related, where we can look at ways to add more income to your application through the utilization of higher rental income or supplementing your own personal income with additional income. This includes using higher rents on your application through appraisers opinions of markets rents, this can help the numbers in some cases where you have a vacant unit or if you're charging below market rents and where the rents property up for rent would be higher. In regards to your personal income, we can look at ways to pay yourself more from one or more of your businesses if you are an entrepreneur or add a guarantor to the deal or partner with someone come to the deal with additional income to help the application. If you are concerned about the impacts of tighter mortgage qualification on your plans, myself and my team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you strategize and explore the best tools to help you stay ahead and maintain momentum. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to book your complimentary planning session. Cheers to your success. 
So what are you doing right now? What are you doing, Jess? You're, you're, you're living, in essence, your personal beliefs in Costa Rica, in essence. What, what are you currently up to right now? Well, my, uh, my, I'm still manifesting the personal beliefs. When I was in Canada, I heard a noise inside my head that said, go to Costa Rica. There's the people you're supposed to work with. There's the land you're supposed to cultivate. And there's the amphitheater that you're supposed to run. And I think I found it last month. I was introduced to that property. And uh, who knows, in the future, there might be an opportunity to have a public speaking uh, retreat, seminar, boot camp down here in Costa Rica with the parrots in an amazing amphitheater where you get to practice uh, moving three or 400 people at one time. Yeah, and, and in we'll February. <laughs> We'll talk about that more later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the best time. Um, okay, so let's get to a couple, you know, at the end of the day, I want to make sure we serve at the highest level here. And um, you know, let's put it this way. When I hired Jesse, um, it was, geez, it was eight weeks. I think it was eight or 12 weeks that I hired you. It was one thing and we just kept building upon it and stacking upon it and stacking upon it. There's a lot of work to do. Like we went deep one-on-one -on -one for like eight to 12 weeks where we just took a topic and we went deep into it. And we did everything from the warm-up, the breathing, where your breath is, the, how your body, where you're breathing out your back or, you know, just different things like that. So there's, there's stuff that I do to this day, Jess. It's funny, before this webinar, I was still warming up. I was doing the, <laughs> and I'm doing up and down the voice from top to bottom, things like that. So I still do all those exercises, even for it, webinars. It looks, it looks a little scary and a little bit insane outside of theater and actors. If you see what yes. actors do before a show, they'll, you'll think yeah. they're out of their minds. Well, but the, the point is, the point that Russell is making is that our body is our delivery system. And the, what we see of our body is like the desktop of a computer. It's the interface with other people. So if it looks relaxed, alert, bright, connected, uh, that does half of the communication for you. Yep. Body language is 75% of your message. 20% yep. is your actual content. And 5% is your technology. So if you use PowerPoint, 5% of the effectiveness of your talk is that. Yeah. Which means you don't need it. Yeah. Well, it's funny that the real big paradigm shift for me was, um, you know, many different ways, but I actually sat there and I go, you know what, if I want to be really good at this skill, I want to be a professional, I want to be an Olympic athlete at my craft of presenting. Okay. Does an Olympic athlete doing the 100 yards or 100 meter sprint, do they walk up to their cold and just tie their shoes in the starting gate? No, they prepare. They walk in there fully stretched, fully limber, fully in the zone, meditated. They got their intention, their feeling, their, they've got the music they want. And they walk into that, uh, that arena fully ready to just deliver the goods. And I treat that if I'm going to talk to a joint venture partner, I treat that when I'm going to talk to my account, brand new accountant on Friday, before I walk in there, I will set an intention. I will actually take some time to regroup myself and I will come in there. When I walk through that door, I come in there full on, uh, not full on in their face, but just full on to help serve. And I deliver an, I deliver an intention for that meeting, right? You get better results when you clearly 
articulate an intention of what you want to deliver before you walk into that interaction. That and walking into the interaction fully there. Yes. I've heard some speakers say, well, I get really nervous, but after about 10 minutes on stage, I kind of warm up. Well, actors aren't allowed to warm up in front of an audience. (laughs) You're on when you're on. It's a disservice to the attention and time that the people in the room are giving you. Well, arguably speaking, that arguably speaking, that first 10 minutes is the most important connection opportunity you have to get an instant connection with your audience, which will then set up the rest of your talk. Indeed. Right. And, you know, I do many different things and guys, you'll see a lot of the things I do when I do it. I, I get, I get selfies where we'll take a selfie and I get people to stand up, sit down. I get, I wrap my arms around people. I'll give a hug to the organizer. I will come from a place of gratitude for my heart space all within like the first four or five minutes of standing on, on a stage because I need to connect instantly with the people that I'm, I'm going to be presenting to. That's no different than if you're walking into your bank or walking into your realtor or walking in with a joint venture partner, you need to connect very, very quickly to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so let's get into some of the components here, Jess. Let's talk about um, story. Now, guys, you guys know how big I am on story and we've told a lot of stories here tonight, but from your perspective, Jesse, what are the components of a really good story that we should all cultivate? Well, first of all, the reason for being able to tell your own story, the way it was said to me is we're all in business and we all have a business and it is us. We're not Nike. We don't have a million billion dollars to spend on marketing a brand and a logo. We are the people we show up as at the moment we show up with them. And someone says, well, who are you? And why should I listen to you? Well, that's actually the basis for the story. The story is you may be expert at something right now, you may, be, uh, you may be very knowledgeable in how to invest in real estate, how to get joint venture partners, how to uh, make coffee at, at any number of things. But you were not always that way. I am an accomplished actor and a, a coach of people giving presentations. I was not always that way. My story is what I was like before. And it, uh, my story could be when I was in 10th grade and I was so shy, I couldn't even put two words together. And I was scared to ask anybody out on a date. So I thought, well, if I go become, take an acting class, maybe I'll get the confidence to know how to do that. Well, so I got to be a pretty good actor and I decided, hey, this was for me. And I decided to go to drama school. And then I started working internationally because my curiosity took me there far away from just desiring to be better at picking up girls, which I never got better at. But I did become a a really accomplished actor, director, and teacher. And because of that, I started caring about education and how it happened in the classroom and the lecture hall and the conference room and realized that I could make a difference in that. So I segued my talents and abilities towards helping people 
help other people more effectively. And that became a whole journey in itself. So what I've just given you is an example of a story. What was life like before I was who I am now? What then happened? And sometimes it's a crisis. Sometimes it's winning the lottery. Sometimes it's something dramatic that changes the circumstances. It might be a death in the family. It might be a divorce. It might be finding your soulmate. Something happens that changes your context and you need to live into it and discover how to, how to become more of you, how to roll with it. Do we sink or swim? And sometimes we sink first and then we swim. Who were the helpers that helped you along the way? What is it you're doing now? And how have you made it a service to other people? The story in the context of business is very important that you get to the point where it serves other people and your desire is to help others. Either have the success that you have or save a lot of headaches that you went through or whatever it is. Is that helpful? Is there anything I missed in that that you'd like me to clarify more, Russ? Holy moly, guys. I hope you guys were taking some notes. I was taking some copious notes here for you as well. So, so guys, hey, Scooby. What's going on? Somebody, I, I have a visitor here. You guys want to say, Scooby, are you okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, look at that. Okay, there's, there's. <laughs> I'm going to, he's got to go in his little, his little bed underneath my desk here. Um, oh, that's nice. Keeping so, your feet so guys, what Jesse just gave you was an absolute priceless formula um, for doing that. What he just described in that last three, four minutes, I have a feeling you're going to be want to rewind this many times and listen to it multiple times, whether he talked like, you know, part one. Can I just paraphrase what you said, Jess, and see, sure. if, I, see if I heard this correct? Mm-hmm. Um, what was life before like for you, right? Then what happened, that crucible moment, that moment that something happened, a critical moment to change the context of your life. Then you had to go on a journey to discover a little bit more of yourself. What are you doing now? Who did you become in the process? And how are you serving and helping people at a higher level? That's a beautiful bullet point note of what I just said. Woo. Listen to Russ. I got it. Did I get a star? <laughs> you got a gold star. Okay. I, guys, I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those ones I transcribe word for word because I, I, there's just so many gold nuggets that come out of this as well. So, so how does somebody get good at t- these kind of things? So let's say we have this context and there's like six points. Like how does you know, is it, is it just through practice and repetition or is it through feedback? Is it through coaching? Like what is the best way you get people to, or are some people just natural storytellers or how, what would you say is the best way to get good at this? Well, some people are natural storytellers, but storytelling that serves your purpose, your intention, your goals is something that always needs to be crafted and thought about in advance. And everyone gets better at something by doing it. And by doing it, first of all, badly. By willing 
to not be good at it and do it. If you're if you wait until you're good at it to do it, you will never be good at it. I have a dear friend, one of my best friends in the world, who is talented, intelligent, helpful, educated. He has enormous amount of information to share with people. And getting him to start, which means sharing it publicly, even badly, is really difficult. It's very hard for us to overcome our own inertia. But I want to say something about a technology that never existed before in the history of the human race. And that's this technology that we're using right now. Only in the last hundred years has have speakers, artists, dancers, musicians, any of those people ever been able to see each other, see themselves do what they're doing because it can be recorded. That's never happened before. For thousands and thousands of years, there have been actors and speakers and educators. But now we can watch each other and we can watch ourselves. So that transforms practice. That means each one of you can practice doing a take on video in the privacy of your own room. You can look at it. You can go, ooh, my voice sounds terrible. Ooh, I'm really fat. Ooh, I'm really thin. You can criticize yourself as much as you want. However, that must not stop you doing it again and again and again. And again, because other people listen to you. Other people like hearing you. Other people find you of value. We are the worst critics of ourselves. And actors and communicators and presenters have to get over that internal dialogue that is super critical and judgmental. I've worked with a lot of speakers, a lot of actors who all have it. And we just have to tell that voice to move to the back. You say, okay, you're there. I hear you. Goodbye. I'm not using you right now. I'm going to lean into bringing my best value to other people rather than leaning into paralyzing myself and hiding my gifts inside me like I've been doing for years. I cannot overemphasize this enough. Yep. And that really comes down to the rehearsal, the training, and a couple um, new frames for me of late that really resonate for me. It's, you know, it's funny, I've been doing it for, uh, for you know, better part of 16, 17, 18 years coming on now. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the two frames that really has worked for me is number one is, is always be willing to, when you do so, is test new material and test it to different people, share with it, see how it responds. And here's the analogy, you know, you think of your best comedian who's doing a stand-up act, right? And they're uh, doing their, their, you know, their best stand-up stuff and they do a, a 10 skits and they're just so, every one of them just lands perfectly. The reason why everyone landed perfectly is because they rehearsed them and they found ones that didn't work. They threw out the ones that did work. The one that did work, they kept it, they refined it, they made it better. Then they tried out seven more. They found one that worked until they could get a set of 10 that does now they're going to sit there and they have their 10 set that they can go on there and they deliver it perfectly. And they're a master at it and they make it better and better each time they go out. I'm glad you said that. And that's, that's part of rehearsal. 
And it's part of um, actors typically work out in groups. Even great actors are in classes with other actors. They're working out all the time. They're getting feedback for their craft without walking into an audition where there's pressure and without being on a film set where they might not know what to do. They're learning in a, in a safe space. So yeah. a learning, learning community, same with the professors. We had 20 professors from every different department and it was the only non-political setting that all these, uh, these department uh, professors could be together and just share each other's love for each other's subjects. Yep. It was really beautiful and encourage each other to be better and say, hey, you know, I don't understand that and I really want to. Yep. Is there another way you could say it? Yeah, it's just that one thing, it's just that about feedback and feedback loop and, and just having, analyzing the tape. You know what, interesting, and I'm just going to share with you something just new has come to me, Jesse, is I've, uh, I used to hate, like physically get sick when having to watch my videos and watch myself do video and stuff. What I've done now is I've forced myself to do the editing of my own video, which is just nauseating sometimes. <laughs> well, it is. If you, if you think you're, honest to goodness, if you think you're high on your horse and, and you know, you're getting a little bit of an ego, vi- edit some of your own video for a little while and you'll knock yourself down a few pegs fairly quickly. <laughs> but here, here's what's coming out of my doing a lot of my own video editing. Um, I'm noticing speech patterns or I'm noticing things what I said at the end of a sentence, I'll say the word right. And it's almost like it's a wishy-washy question and not a right or it's not, I'm just noticing Mm. patterns and I'm noticing um, ways that I'm doing, I'm noticing with my hands, right? I'm just doing different things that you actually, if you want to start really be a master of this craft of communication, take some time to A, get the feedback work with people that know what they're doing, but also take some time to analyze yourself on film. But you almost have to be coming from it from a loving perspective of yourself, of analyzing what you would do to a good friend as opposed to beat the the crap out of yourself. That's a beautiful suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Treat ourselves the way we would want to treat our best friends. Yeah. So it's, it's just part of the process. And, and you know what? And I shared this when I was in Saskatoon presenting last week. Um, you know, I've been doing this for almost 18 years um, and we're talking well in over 700 presentations. And I firmly believe I'm just actually just starting. I'm just starting the tip of the iceberg. The greatest, my greatest performances and presentations are still ahead. And that's my commitment to this craft. That's great. And it's also the same thing is true with theater performances because it only works when everyone is fully in the present moment. So every time is new. It's a, it's a very strange craft. Yeah. It's an art form that only exists when you do it. And when it's over, it's gone in the memory. Well, it's if you like, think about it, 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 it's an art form, I think, that you can actually elevate yourself above everybody else that's out there right now. Like, okay, everybody's got one of these silly things and they're pointing at themselves and they're talking to themselves and they're documenting their journey. The ones that you truly will sit there and engage with and watch are ones that have maybe given a little thought to it and maybe have rehearsed a little bit, not over rehearsed that it's just scripted, but, but just, you know, know what they're talking about. And maybe that leads into the next point of conversation I want to have with you here, Jesse. And that is like, Mm -hmm. how would somebody, you know, we've all seen it. 
where some people use these things and they talk to it and it's just all about themselves and it's a little bit of a, you know, bragging and it's all narcissism and all they do is they just talk about themselves. And then on the other side, there's people that just don't want to do it because they don't want to be seen. They don't, nobody wants to listen to what I have to say, you know? So how Mm -hmm. do you get to share your journey and document something on a camera like we're doing right now. So you're not coming across as like, you know, braggy or narcissistic. What are some of the strategies you could offer to the guys on the line tonight? Well, again, this is a, a phenomena that never existed before that you can document your journey real time and share it with whoever decides to watch you. Now, why would they do that? Well, they would do that if you're, in service of their evolution. That may sound too airy-fairy, but if you are there to help others and you are willing to allow your journey to be an example, to give them courage, to inspire them, to bring hope, to bring uh, uh, a willingness to persevere no matter what, to share your your warts and your tumbles and the things that don't go well, that is actually extremely inspiring. As many of us hide those things and are, are ashamed of our failures. Our education system and the, the whole way business is conducted shies away from making mistakes. And everyone makes mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you don't get better. If I didn't do a whole bunch of really terrible performances, I would have never learned when it is that I'm giving one that works. So fail a lot. And it's okay to share that because the sharing of it is actually the success. The process is the success. The process is the destination. There's no there, there. Gertrude Stein, that's one of her famous quotes. (laughs) And because we all have a cell phone and we can have people tuning in to see what we're up to, your honesty, your vulnerability, and your authenticity are what works best. Now, there are abuses of this, I have to say. And they're not just narcissistic, aren't I great, aren't I great, aren't I great. There are also people who are using it for their personal therapy, where they're telling everything that's wrong, and they want people to say, poor me, and they want people to say, yeah, I'm with you. So that's why it's so important to know what your intention is for reaching out to people and what your personal goals are, and what your personal Belize is, and what you're in this business for, and that you can serve that and choose what items to share that serve that, and don't share the ones that don't serve that. So there's a certain amount of discernment in the process these days. Yeah, and that's and a I tough also one. Say, and the, the final point I want to make is, don't share it every day. Once a week. Yeah. 
It's a like fine long. line. It's a it's a really fine line to to know what to share and with who. And you know, and I'm not saying I struggle with it. It's one of those ones that um, I learn. I'm I'm still in the process of learning. You know, for a time I shared none of the failures. Like I shared none of them. It was everything was wonderful and everything was everything was amazing. And you never ever talked about the bad things. And you know, I only shared one side of the story. Real estate only goes up in value, and it's all wonderful and you know sunshine and unicorn farts and rainbows and all that kind of stuff. That's the one side, and that's all I would share. But on the other side, there's another side of the story where things do go wrong. You do lose money. You, you know, I'm not talking about things go wrong like, oh, geez, I missed out on that one deal and I didn't buy that place. Oh, shucks. You know, that, that was the big mistake I made. No, stuff really goes wrong where you don't have family members talking to you. Stuff really goes wrong where you are stroking a $30,000 check for a business loss and stuff like that stuff really happens. But then for a time... I was telling that to everybody, right? And people that probably didn't even know the context to probably even hear that, that maybe hadn't earned the right to hear that side of the story. So it's sometimes you have to go a little too far to, to reel it back in to just know, know thyself, really. Mm-hmm. And certainly share your successes because they were well-earned. Yes. Right? Yep. I had a success in the strange place of Costa Rica when people said, you're an actor. Why aren't you in Hollywood? What are you doing in Costa Rica? Well, I got cast in a movie here where I got to play Charlie Chaplin. Now, in 40 years of being an actor, to get cast as Charlie Chaplin in a movie, like, wow. The movie is called Dos Fridas. It's in Spanish. It's a Mexican-Costa Rican co-production, and it's been touring the world in film festivals. Mm. I appear at the end as Charlie Chaplin. You're, you're working on a production right now, aren't you? One-man show? Weren't you, didn't you do a one-man show just recently? I've done five one-man shows. Okay. They're often easier to rehearse because you don't have to get a lot of people together to show up. But yes, I'm working on one right now. It's in honor of my dad, and it's destined for Broadway. I told you the story about it, didn't I? No, no. Well, maybe share that, share that here with everybody. Okay. Well, this is a personal transparency, authenticity <laughs> moment with you all that I didn't expect to be sharing. My name, Jesse James or Jessi James, was a, um, a manufactured name. About just over 20 years ago, I changed it because I thought, hey, I'm an actor. I'll have an actor name. Well, my father always thought that this was ridiculous. And uh, 10 years ago, on his deathbed, he chose to bring it up. He said, so why'd you change your name to that stupid name? What's the matter with our name? So we had a very meaningful conversation about name changes and the power in them. And I said, look, Dad, I tell you what, when I perform on Broadway... I'll perform in my original family name, Jeff Burnett. And people in Vancouver know me as Jeff Burnett. When I first moved there, I was Jeff Burnett. So the show is called Jeff Burnett on Broadway. And there's a www.jeffburnettonbroadway.com if you want to check it out. And it's growing. I've been working on it for a year. 
I worked with a director in France on it for a month, and I'm going to be in New Haven, Connecticut, rehearsing in a small theater and previewing it in September. And it's, it's intention, like Russ said, you got to have an intention. Its intention is to satisfy the promise I made to my dad on his deathbed, that Jeff Burnett will be on Broadway. And by choosing to call it that, I've already made the promise a good one. But let's see. I'll keep you posted on that if you're interested. Wow. Did you guys just shared with you the formula of the good story right there by telling a good story, right? Yeah, that's a big one. uh, I feel overheated now. And really, it's, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. It actually has a little, what you just said, has a little bit of, if any of you have ever seen Mr. Holland's Opus, is one of my favorite movies that I, I get a tear and I see it all the time. It almost has a little bit of a ringing of that where you're working on your opus all these years along, you know, and they eventually it all come into that. You know, and I used this term earlier, the tapestry of your legacy, really, right? Wow. Yes, I would say that now in my later years, the show is made up of stories of my life and other actors' lives over 45 years. And uh, some true, some based on truth, but there you go. And I'm nervous and I'm going to be up in front of people And I'm scared of being judged and all of those things. And I will lean into the value that it brings to other people. And especially the the honor of my father, who is amazingly supportive in my life. Yeah, it's amazing what we do for others, both good and bad, right? That is one of the driving things that we potentially will get us over some things that are really deep down fears for us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, Jess, we could go on and on and on here, guys. So for a couple things, for number one is if you guys have any questions, by all means, ch- jump on the chat box, type it into the chat box, drop in a question or two if you have anything. I'll read them into Jesse here as well. Um, question came in here from Julia. Julia Pereira, amazing uh, contributor to the community here. It's What are a few ideas and strategies to bringing, maybe to bring out your background story? Like to, to really just brainstorm it and start articulating on paper. What do, how do you get people a, as a starting process to get their background story out? Well, start by what it is you want to communicate to people. What, what is your, your body of knowledge or your expertise or your inspiration or your whatever it is that you want to communicate to people? And then jump way back to a time when you were not that. Before you knew what you knew, before you feel like you feel now, when you were uh, ignorant or younger or full of problems and challenges, or you just didn't know. You didn't know there was something to know about this. Describe that time. And then there's always a time where something changes, where that behavior or that character or that personality that you were at that time no longer works for you. That's true in the development of human beings generally everywhere in the world. Sometimes is it brought about by a, a, 
a great disturbance. It can be a catastrophic earthquake, it can be a divorce, it can be a separation, it can be uh, moving to a new country. And then everything I was up until then doesn't seem to work. I have to learn something new in order to uh, expand my, my repertoire of who I am. What was that? Describe it. Describe what it felt like in particular, the feeling around it. I felt ashamed. I felt awkward. I felt excited and uh, terrified. <laughs> the, and then what did you learn as a result of that? What situations did you place yourself in to begin to learn? And how long did it take to believe that you knew something about that? When did it start making an impact on other people that you knew? What were they beginning to ask you now that you had gone through this change? How did you respond? Did you help them? Were you surprised that they wanted to know this from you? Did you want to help more people as a result of this? How did you consolidate your new learning in your own self and in the sharing of it with others? And then how does that feel to you now? And Russ started off this talk with an expression of gratitude. Gratitude is by far the most profound emotional feeling we are capable of having. If we are grateful more, more of what we're grateful for will come to us. A story um, evolves over time. And usually it's your first iteration of the story, the first draft. If you nail it right off the bat, it's rare. It takes many, many, uh, many times. Now, for example, um, you know, I could sit there and I could dissect stories and maybe during this whole process of this eight weeks, I'll dissect some of my signature stories on why I tell this story. Um, what's the intentionality behind it? What's the messaging that will lead people towards a transformation and an action that is a desired action we want them to take, right? Now, guys, and how you can refresh yourself is in the academy, I've recorded the cassette tape story. And if you don't know what that is, you will find it in one of the lessons. I don't have the module that is, but it's in one of the signature stories, the cassette tape story. That is an, a very intentionally designed story. And once you learn this process of how a story framework goes, you can dissect a story and be able to tell out all the components of a good story. Like even whether you're watching Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings or Shakespeare or any of that kind of stuff. It's all a component of a good story that brings out the compelling to get you to move to take an action. Exactly. We're all on the hero's journey and most of the great movies are modeled on that, on that structure. Any of you have any further questions? I know we're going about an hour and a half here. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, I think, um, Bottom line is, I think this this hit a chord. It really hit a chord. It was when I'm sitting back here and I'm trying to dis, to decide how best to serve this community. This is my number one priority to help serve and create more leaders and create more of you. I want you guys, honestly, I I envision and I close my eyes 
that the meetup groups that I see, when I see an email coming through of a meetup group, I want to see Raising Capital Academy members on the stage. I want to see you guys presenting at other people's events. I want you to be highest rated presenters out there of all the speakers that go on stage. And that's because you've been well-trained and you guys are leaders in the community, which you are. Okay. That is the vision I have for each and every one of you. Okay. High lofty goals, but that's why we're in this game together is because we want to inspire each other upwards. Okay. All right. So Jesse, we started off before I opened the, the broadcast room up and I thanked you and I expressed from my heart how grateful it is that we've reconnected again. And I cannot thank you enough for all your time and expertise and your, your heart and who you are, this community is never going to be the same again after working with you. Uh, if you do the work, yes, that will be true. I'm happy to be able to say that. And uh, Russ, I must express my gratitude to you to reconnect after all this time is really beautiful. And uh, I'm delighted and inspired to be introduced to the community that you've helped cultivate and it's, it's my mission to help other people bring value to others. I can't speak to the numbers of people that each one of you can speak to. But you can go from where you are and inspire others to be the kind of people they need to be in their life. And I always remember that what we do is a vehicle, as in real estate investing or teaching yeah. chemistry or whatever it is to inspire others to live a life that's, that they find worthy of living. So what did you think? I, I, I sure hope I didn't oversell it and overhype it for you at the beginning. Let's put it this way. It, it was very impactful for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it when I was putting this on and it had tremendous amount of feedback from people within the community when it came out. So much, so much more that every person that was listening to this wanted more. They wanted to go deeper. They wanted more information that, than just what we provided in this hour. And you know what? We provided a ton of information in this hour as you just just listen to. So here's what I'm going to ask, and here's what I'm going to say to you. If this is a skill set, and, and first of all, it's not for everybody. This skill set is not for everybody, even though it should be. If you are listening to this podcast and you want to be a successful real estate investor, you need to develop your skills uh, in communication. You need to develop your skills as a public speaker. However, I'm not here to twist anybody's arm and force anybody to do anything. But if you are interested in taking this skill set up to the next level, and if you're interested in learning more about public speaking, and maybe you need some help. Maybe you need some help crafting a presentation. Maybe you need some help on how to be on camera. Maybe you need some help on how do you deliver uh, a message to a, an audience of one-to-one, one-to-many, or one-to-thousands. If you need some help on that, um, I'm going to make myself available that I can help you. I really can. I've been coaching people, very quietly coaching some people behind the scenes on uh, the art and science of public speaking, the art and science of communication. I'm taking what I've learned over the past almost more than 20 years, and I'm really just um, helping people, helping develop 
the next generation of leaders. So if you think this is a skill set that you want to master, um, in the podcast notes below will be maybe a link where we can book a consultation. We can have a conversation if you are interested in wanting to elevate your public speaking, elevating your communications up to the next level. Um, by all means, hit me up. Let me know if there's something that I can help you with. And then we can just take the next step from there. If you okay, so hopefully that all makes sense, gang. If you if you need some help on this skill set, I'm available to help solve some problems. I'm available to help you take things up to the next level. All right, gang. With all that being said, remember: in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.